check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. All right, welcome back to the Front Nine Podcast. It's Derek, Nate, and Bob are here with me as well. We are currently sitting in our condo, apartment, I don't know what this is, like at Innisbrook Resort where we are on a golf trip together. So first time we're recording the podcast all together live and in person. Uh, we've been playing golf together the last three days. We've got one day left tomorrow. Uh, then Bob, unfortunately, has to fly back to California. We are going to miss him. Uh, Nate has to head back home to Jacksonville. i got to head back to North Carolina. We have to get back to real life as we know it. Uh, but it's been fun hanging out. We got we got some tallies going, Bob. Where where do we stand currently? And the golf trip. Who owes who the most money right now? Well, it depends how you, you track it, right? Uh, so Nate right now is winning the money, but I got him beat by one stroke because he's apparently been on better teams. So his teammates have been carrying him. <laughs> I, I got him by one stroke over the first ninety holes of the uh, of the weekend. Uh, but uh, he is up 20 bucks while everyone else is about even. So we got some problems there. We got one more day to make it up. We played five rounds in yeah. three days. We got one more tomorrow and looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like to me the cream rises to the top. If I had to summarize <laughs> uh, uh, that, um, I, I feel like it, it's been a lot of fun. Um, but I think Innisbrook, the courses that we've been able to play, uh, Copperhead and Island, it, it really feels like a roller coaster ride. Like there's a ton of volatility. Generally speaking, I'm a fairly consistent golfer. I make a lot of pars, couple bogeys, maybe one double, couple birdies, right? Like that's kind of the, um, the makeup of most of my golf rounds. There is a ton more volatility here. And I think that maybe speaks to the, maybe the condition or, you know, the, the courses are hard. Yeah, they're tight. I mean, I think that's the other thing. There's no like, place to you miss, can't miss on either of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, miss, you we we, were, we did this. I mean, today there's a par five where, you know, you miss the green by, I mean, the, the, the flag was tucked a little bit by a bunker left on the edge of the green. And you, I mean, you just miss the green to the left. And it's literally, I mean, it's it's got a slope leading down to the car path. And right on the other side of the car path, it's a, it's a red hazard, you know. And, and, and so if you miss the green by five feet going at that left pin, I mean, you could easily roll down into the hazard and not find your ball because it could roll up underneath the bush well, I mean, or I have did that. zero shot, right? And I did that twice on two par fives where I didn't feel like my shots were that bad, but yet I was on the other side of the hazard. Right, I was on the other side of the hazard. I was chipping out. I think I made triple on one and double on the other on a par five, which and is it, usually where I make my hay. So, And it's not just, uh, you know, not just around the greens, but even around the fairways, right? You can hit the fairway. And you don't have a shot to the green. You got to be in the right side of the fairway, uh, or you either got to you know carry a tree or make sure you got a good angle. Uh, you know, because uh, you know Copperhead with the, for the pros, it's not a hard course. It's not a long course for them. Uh, you know, well, it's not a long course for us. Right. I mean, right. You, you got to be on the right yeah. side, and you know if you hit a good drive, you got a wedge into most greens. But uh, if you miss in the wrong place, you're chipping out. And you got to get up and down, and doubles are everywhere. Or what's more challenging, and I think it's to that same point, where you, you hit a decent drive, you find the fairway, and then you may be slightly blocked out to the pin, which may be on you know, the right or left side of the green, so you think, you know what, I'm going to aim over on the, on the left and maybe hit a, a little bit of a cut back towards the pin, and maybe you pull it just a little bit. And, and, that's, stays where, on that line, yeah. and that's where the most difficulty I find the, of the golf course typically is. It's, it's not like there's a giant margin out there where you have to pull a shot by 25 yards. 25 feet sometimes gets you in a ton of trouble. And my pet peeve, obviously, and, and I almost had a uh, Robbie Forsty-esque meltdown uh, <laughs> on, the, on the back nine. Um, what really bothers me is every time seemingly I hit it in a bunker, I get a fried egg. Yeah, and I and I I'm a higher spin player, so if I'm hitting a nine iron or a wedge into a green, I'm gonna have a little bit more spin than maybe the average player. But it is really annoying that if you hit it into a, at least it feels like for me, if I hit it into a green or into a greenside bunker, I'm going to have a fried egg, and that's probably a two or in some cases, depending on how tight that green complex is, three shot penalty for me. Yeah, it's not like you can play a normal splash or explosion. You have to hood the club, hit down on it as hard as you can, and hope 
that it just pops up and you can, you know, do something with that. Right. And I think, well, I think the other aspect of what we're seeing with Copperhead and, and the island and, and just the Innisbrook in, in general is that I think that probably one of the most fair aspects, well, I'm not saying that it's, they're fast, I'm not saying that, but, but fair aspects of the golf course is the greens. They're not, there's not a whole lot of tier in them. They're not pitched one way or another. There are some fairly flat greens um, that don't have a whole lot of undulation uh, as well. And so if you can get your ball on the green, you have a really good chance of, of you know, making a good score. It, but, it, but it is difficult, especially around the greens, um, and and the greens are a lot smaller, especially on Copperhead, than I thought that well, they would be. Right, the like they're really really small in comparison to what you would expect. I mean, modern greens to be right. Like you go to a modern golf resort like Streamsong, or greens are gigantic, gigantic, yeah. right? And and so you got, um, you know, but but that the island has a little bit bigger greens, I think, than than the Copperhead, but but the greens at Copperhead are small and. And although they're fair, um, you know, it is tough getting around them, I think. It'd be interesting to see the stats, but it feels, Bob and I were talking about this a little bit in our cart today, it feels a little bit like Harbortown, um, yeah, a course that we played together. But, you know, kind of demanding tee shots, a little bit tight. Distance is definitely not going to get you here. You're not going to be, man, I feel like I'm just hitting six irons, five irons. I have a hybrid or two into a par four. It's not like that at all. I hit a bunch of wedges, like mm-hmm. pitching wedge, gap wedge, sand wedge into yep. greens, but it demands that you be pretty, yeah, pretty accurate with what you're hitting. Yeah. Um, but you to had, your point, you the, the like, greens aren't very big and they don't have a ton of slope. Even no, the ones at Harbor Town seem to have more slope and maybe Absolutely. a little bit more of kind of a, um, you know, quadrants or, or areas where, you know, that back right pin is, is elevated and up or the front front left is maybe down a little bit lower on different tiers and things like that. That doesn't really exist, especially on the Copperhead course. No, and and we talked about it, but the the defense of this course isn't the greens themselves, the the slope. You know, it's the size of the greens. It's the placement of the bunkers of where the trouble is. Uh, It's the angles in. The The angles angles are are killer hard. If you, if you, you can hit it down the right side of the fairway and be blocked out by a tree, you know, limb, or two into that green or having to hit it over a tree um, just to get it onto the green. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, there's a lot of defense, but it definitely isn't distance. Yeah. Which is refreshing. I like that. Cause sometimes, I mean, we played at uh, Bethpage black and yeah. even, even when we played Wingfoot. Yeah. Um, I mean, you felt like you were getting your head beat in a little bit, just at how, how far, long yeah, you how had long to, it, it is, felt yeah. like you had to hit a quality drive, and even then you were still hitting seven, eight, six, five, some, six. sometimes. And if yeah. you were in, and God forbid, you hit it in the rough, especially on the par threes at those places. Yeah. Like the, the par threes here, what we were talking about earlier in the car, the par threes are not anything, uh, they're crazy. almost, they're almost they're, bland yeah, to some extent. Yeah, they're, you feel they're like they are because they're, they're, you know, six, 60, eight, nine irons. It's, it's 160 to 180. Yeah. I think the, the longest shot I've hit on a, on a par three this week was a four iron and it was a 208 yard shot uphill. Um, and I hit it to 12 feet. But I mean, it was a great four iron. But I mean, for the most part, I haven't hit anything over a six. I mean, it's been like six irons, eight irons, seven irons, nine irons to greens most of the most of the time on par threes. Well, and you can you, you can tell. I mean, by our scores, I mean we're we're all single digit handicappers, right? And you can tell our scores are generally pretty tight around our our handicap plus or minus a few, you know. Right. And you know, not a lot of courses, not all the courses on the PGA Tour. Some of those harder ones. I mean, our lower score in the group, right? We've got a couple in the 70s. We've got a couple in the mid-70s. That's not going to happen at Wingfoot. That's not going to happen at Kiowa. You know, that's not going to happen at some of these places that are really hard, unless you're hitting the ball really well. But I feel like you hit the ball well here, you got a chance to go low. Well, I also think that's a product of condition. And I think that's the other that, – that's the real story for me yeah. is how surprising and, – and the difficulty for me isn't – I mean, the, the lines and the, and the difficulties with the angles. You do have to find the right side of the fairway. 
Uh, and that can be really hard for somebody who's never played the course before. I mean, we've had the benefit now of playing it, what, four times? Uh, it'll be four tomorrow morning. Four tomorrow yeah. morning. So we played, so we played, we played it three Copperhead times. three times. Played and we want to, you know, you kind of know at that point where you want to be, where you want to miss it. But th- the real story for me um, is kind of the, what I'll, I'll call the inconsistency of the condition. There are some places that are lush, that are great, that are green, that are what you would expect a PGA Tour course to be, right? Now, I grew up in Jacksonville. You guys have both been to Jacksonville. You've played at the stadium course. You, you know, the, the Valley course is there as well, where they play uh, a web or a corn ferry tour event. Um, they keep that in pretty good shape. It's not, you know, tour or tournament condition, but it's green. It's lush. It may not always be cut down and, and manicured to the same level, but it's always really what I would consider to be nice. It's right. lush. Yep. It, yeah. That is not, I, I am surprised, especially with the amount of rain that Florida has had, specifically the Tampa area, um, at how inconsistent the, the, the grass is. It's, it's difficult because the course is clearly built on sand, which is what most good golf courses are built on, but there's not grass everywhere, which right. almost seems difficult to do. And I know that probably has to do with the amount of play that they must get here because when we were up there on Saturday, it felt it like it was packed, packed yeah, all there day. Was, there was tons of people. Yeah. But for me, what has been the most challenging is basically having to play like explosion bunker shots where most of the time you'd be hitting some pretty straightforward chips or pitches five, 10 yards off of greens. Yeah. I mean, you miss a green because you're going to miss greens here because they're small. You're on the wrong angle. You have to maybe hit it a little bit lower, or maybe you have to try to hit a little bit higher than what you would otherwise want to do. You're going to miss greens, but it seems like to me there's the green, there's a, a very defined fringe or apron, and then after that, there's this really weird transition uh, of some some sand, like there's almost some roots of some grass, but not grass themselves, and then it kind of slopes down because some of the greens, most of the greens are raised, um, and it kind of slopes down into some very inconsistent grass, whether it's like really lush, almost weeds, or a very consistent grass growth that you would expect to see. Um, but it it you you kind of the lies that you get around the greens, and obviously we're you know we're we're not moving the ball, we're not rolling the ball, like play it as it lies. You, you're kind of in a very sandy lie right next to a green, which yeah. isn't what on a hill, I, or, right? right yeah. Which isn't what you would expect at a course that they play a PGA Tour event, right? Yeah, I mean that's that that's been frankly disappointing, right? I mean that that's been. Uh, uh, you, we've played, we've had the opportunity to play a number of PGA Tour courses, and you know, again, like Nate said, they're not always in uh, pristine tour quality condition, but they're in what I would call like a country club condition, right? They're 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 better than your Muni, Derek, like you were talking about, right? They're better than the the average semi private club that you you would play, but they're in kind of a country club type condition, uh, and really. Copperhead and and the island and really all of the of Innisbrook that we've been at from the range to the practice facilities through the course have been. That's a great point, though. That's a great point. The practice practice facilities facilities. are like because you guys know me. We talk about this on the podcast. We joke around. I could sit at a practice facility and literally walk between the chipping green or the short game area down to the range, back to the short game area. Like I love that stuff. I could do that all day myself. Like I would sometimes on a golf trip when we do these five six day trips. Sometimes I wish we could just have a full day of that because that's what you need. Your alignment gets messed up or you lose some feel, so you want to do that kind of thing. And I was looking forward to like, okay, hey, where is Jordan Spieth or Sam Burns or Adam Hadwin? Where are these guys practicing? Like, it'll be cool to see what they have. They're not practicing here now. They can't be. There's no way. Like, we were talking about that at lunch with Preston a little bit. Like, you would almost guess that they probably turned some of these other courses and maybe some of the greens and the holes there into practice facilities because what is available at Copperhead is not what I would consider to be, like, tour quality. What a PGA Tour quality player would be looking at practicing getting yeah. sharp and getting ready i would say the the putting greens are are fine yeah. uh yeah the, absolutely the putting, the putting green fine. itself right there yeah, right. in between 10 right. and the range but is the, nice but the range and the but short the, game areas and things like that definitely lack um size they lack quality uh i mean basically anything you're looking for i would think if you're looking to host a tour event and and so i mean we we've you know, we've seen this, uh, 
the last few days and and I you know and I and I made the comment that like I would expect it to be, be- better than a public golf course now I last week uh as we were getting ready uh or as I was trying to get ready for the trip I went and played on Monday and Tuesday and on Tuesday I played NC State's golf course which is Lonnie Pool uh in Raleigh uh really and I was I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, it's an Arnold Palmer signature design, so it's got a great design uh, team behind it. But like the course condition was, I I mean I would I would say it's probably it was probably an eight out of a ten, which I I mean I know it's a state funded golf course. I know that you know those kinds of things. It has a small membership, um, but like it's it's in better shape right now than this golf course is and that could be again that this is a resort course play rain not being able like weather not being able to to keep up the golf course as much as they'd like to or whatever get out and do maintenance because of weather uh because you know it is heavy machinery they're taking out there and stuff like that and and it has been wet in spots like those kinds of things so i don't want to give too much judgment but i definitely if this is a normal kind of thing that you expect when you expect to come uh, to a golf resort and play golf for four days with your buddies, this is um, this has not been as from a course condition standpoint has not been the it's been probably the worst resort that we've been to for a golf trip in the condition standpoint. Now there's some other cool stuff about it, like where we're staying. This is a really nice place. Um, the you know. The hospitality I, the hospi- element has yeah. been great. Right. Like the well, and, and I also good, think the, it's important, the, and Bob pointed this out because I think that's Bob's relative job in our in our <laughs> golf group, is it is it is all relative to cost. Yeah. This is very affordable for what we usually do. Right. Now, now yeah. generally speaking, we're not necessarily here for affordability. Right. We're here for experience. We're here for condition. We're, we're here to have fun. We're, we're here, here to play the quality, best golf courses in the golf. world that we can quality play. Golf. Right? That's right. Yeah. And the layout, I mean, I, I do like uh, the <coughs> Copperhead layout is a ton of fun. It's got a ton of variety. You got to hit shots different ways. It, test, it is a fun course. And, and I, and I will say the design of the course is unique right. and yeah. fun. Yep. But it's golf, and it's, it's all, right. to some extent, it's all framed in the context of what is the condition of that design. Right. And one of the other things I would say is that we don't talk about enough with design, but this golf course is a very walkable golf course. Yes. Like, like if you, if you think about what it takes to like, like some of the better golf courses, I think that we play or get to play. um, This is one where tee boxes are very close to greens. Like you're not taking big, long hikes up and uh, up and around through ravines and through trees and and those kinds of things which i think is a really really nice feature to this golf course and many other ones um that you know because i like to walk when i play golf this would be a golf course you could walk with no problem that's a great point that's a good point also most of the course is self-contained right i mean there are a couple holes that might weave through the resort a little bit where you get some they're not houses they're kind of condos but the majority of the course is on its own piece of property. Yep. There's no houses on there. You know, you've got the wetlands. And you're stuff like you're that, not going but, long distances right. to drive right. between the neighborhood or, or right. a, uh, you know, a pool or anything. Yeah, you're not like that. you're not having to stop for cars crossing roads yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, I mean it's it is it is good and and I will say this pace of play hasn't really been too big of an issue. I mean we've had a couple of situations where we had to 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 slow down a little bit but for the most part they've they've done a good job of spacing out tee times they've done split tees um and 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 like you said Nate I think if if you're listening to this podcast and you're like well where would be a good we've never done a golf trip before me and my buddies have never done one we don't really know what to expect but we don't want to jump in and spend the two grand it's going to cost to go to Pinehurst or the 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 or the logistical nightmare of doing what we used to do string yeah. song a- and or world multiple places Orlando, right yeah. to, to stop you or, know, maybe we're all busy we yeah. don't have time to do the planning that it takes yeah. okay where are we staying what about this room where right. are we going to eat what time we're going to play where this where a, but the other spot. the other the other thought is to like you know like if you're you know the the travel aspect of it all I mean there there are, there are easy airports to travel into. Um, here if you're flying in but and and it's cheap i mean i think 
I think when we're all said and done, Bob, I mean, for the four of us uh, to play here for f- six rounds. We had- six rounds uh, for four, four guys. The room, uh, each person got lunch and breakfast every day. It's 3500 bucks. 3500 bucks, And that's not per person. That's in total. That's total. So, great deal. Well, so and I feel like we could have gotten more rounds. Like, I mean, I'm yeah. tired. My back hurts. But right. if we wanted we to play We could have played easily another nine, nine more another both 18. the last two days. Correct. Yeah. yeah, you could play more if that's really what you wanted to do. Right. Or or play less and go hang out. And they do have a great pool here. They got great resort amenities. They have, And it's it, it's not in the middle of nowhere. It Like Streamsong, you have to eat on property. Like, we've been able to go to some local bars and pubs and things like that at night, and it's been great. Like, I think, like, those kinds of aspects are good, too. It's not in the middle of nowhere. There's plenty of stuff to do around here uh, when you get off the golf course. So, um, y- you know, we, we we went and stocked up on they have a full-size kitchen in our in our room and uh, in our suite. And, and so we went, to the, we went and got drinks and stuff, put it in our fridge. They don't. We carry that stuff down. Put it in our coolers on the golf cart every day. Like they, they're not big about making sure that there's not any outside food or drink brought in. I mean, they're super. It's been it's been great in that regard. The hospitality side has been great, right? They have guys that are waiting to help you. Um, tell you what cart number you are. They, they'll help you as much or as little as you want, which I appreciate because sometimes you feel a little bit of pressure to let the guys wipe down your very expensive clubs with their muddy rag. I'm yeah. not a huge <laughs> fan of that. Uh, but those guys are really nice. They'll talk to you. Hey, are you guys playing tomorrow? Can I take your clubs? We'll move them over for you. They'll be there waiting for you in the morning. Uh, the, the folks in the restaurant and the bar there that we eat breakfast and lunch at have been really accommodating. I think they everybody understands kind of the concept of you're here to play golf. So maybe let's hustle with the food. Let's get the drink. Like it, it the hospitality side is great. Yeah, and we've seen it's been good. three or four different groups of other guys, other groups that are here, you know, that are doing the same thing in different, you know, different ways. So it's, uh, it, it's not all bad. Uh, and we got a little unlucky that we were going to play the South Course also, and they had their own maintenance issue. So uh, that one got the North that- Course opens up tomorrow, but we're going to play Copperhead one more time instead of playing that because it just got punched. So, so there is some there is some aspects of where you know the time of which we actually showed up here, uh, you know maybe if we if we showed up at a different time we might get different condition we might get to play all four courses, as opposed to just the two that we've gotten to play. But we did get to play Copperhead and we have gotten to play Copperhead uh, three times. We're going to play it another time, which is great. They were accommodating, no surcharge, which is normal for the Copperhead course to to charge your surcharge to play that. We did not have to do that because of this, and so we've gotten. To, we're going to get to play it four times. It's going to be uh, all said and done, though. I mean, it's been a great four days with your buddies, right? Like, I mean, I think that's the and cool that's, thing and, about and that, that's, that, that's what, what about. this is about, right? I mean, we're we're all here to play golf. We all love golf, uh, you know. But also, I mean, I live in California. You know, Derek, you're in North Carolina. Uh, you know, Nate, you're in Jackson. I don't get to see you guys ever, right? Unless we're playing golf, and we get to do a podcast live. I mean, it's yeah. pretty cool, right? Um, so I love you know hanging out, and and that's well, and I think the other cool part is because when we go, we learn about pop times. <laughs> I'm telling you, we really had some ideas <laughs> to revolutionize pop times for the MLB draft that's going on right now. I I, I really feel like I need to talk to some scouts. I've got some ideas. Um, we'll, we'll table that for another podcast. But yeah, that's right. That's another topic. Um, uh, but I will say, I, I feel like in, in some of our other uh, golf trips, because we've done this a lot, you, you kind of play a course and you're like, man, I wish I could play that again, or again and again yep. and again. And, and I will say that's really cool to have the chance to do that at Copperhead. But also, like for the rest of my life, every time they play, for as long as they play the Valspar here, I'm going to know every hole here like the back of my hand. Yeah, Nate's Which especially going to be look at number 11, 11 and how far people drive it. That's right. Number 11, Nate is three under through three rounds. There. I, I am. I've birdied 11 every time we've played it. That is my hole. Uh, I don't care what Victor <laughs> Hovland or Sam Burns does. It's not going to be any better than the way I've played it. I guarantee you. Um, but that's the cool part about, I think, getting that level of experience on that type of course. Yeah, the condition has been a little disappointing. It's certainly less than what I, I would have expected, but it's also cool to have that type of experience because that doesn't even happen for us when we go on golf trips. We'll play a couple. You might get to play a course twice, Maybe. but more often than not, even at like a place like Streamsong, we'll play 
we'll play one, two, or three. And sometimes, like you and I, have, Derek, you and I have done, we yep. only get a chance to choose well, two of the three. Right. Yep. So there's actually one you're leaving out. And so sometimes you get to, you kind of go away thinking, man, I wish I would have got a chance to play another couple times. That That's not going to be the case here. And it lets you play a little bit better. It gives you a little bit more of a tour experience, I think. Uh, like I was actually talking to Preston about that, who's a little bit more of a uh, a beginning or you know kind of initial type golfer, um, and and I think he was asking like, do you do you think we'll actually play better on the course the second time around? It's like without a doubt. Oh, and that's I not even close. Guarantee my best round of the of the of the weekend so far is the second round at Copperhead. I went through the first time. Played all right. I think I shot 79 or 80. And then second time, you know where you're going. You know where the lines are. You got the speed of the greens. You know where to miss, things like that. And well, on, on, the, on the golf trip generally, there's a fine line <laughs> in, like, knowledge and feel and experience and, like... Fatigue. Right, fatigue. <laughs> we're not, uh, yeah. you know, we're not 25 anymore. Right. Uh, which also gives you a great insight into the tour about how those there's some guys out there that play three, four, five weeks in a row. I've played golf. Some JM. So, yeah. <laughs> well, but even older guys, like Stricker, was playing this week. He'll play two and three weeks in a row, right? Um, like, my body, like, when, when we were sitting down at dinner, I had to take, like, a couple seconds just to stand <laughs> up straight. I can only imagine some of those guys who play three weeks in a row, right? For yeah. five or six days consecutively, if you throw in some practice. Practice rounds, yeah. Yeah, so it's range like... Range time. I mean, the, the amount of time those guys spend on the range and on the putting green and on the short game areas, I mean, that that's another thing. That's just a... It's just a different world. I mean, we've been... Wait, well, like, today... We we got over to eat our breakfast. We thought we had ten extra minutes. We're getting ready to head over to the range to like hit like six balls before we tee off. And then they're like, "Oh no, you're on the first tee. Your tee time's ten minutes earlier than you thought it was." And so we didn't get any practice swings this morning. We we just stepped up there and 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 swung it. But yeah, to y'all's point, I mean, I think for me, like similar to Bob, my best round was actually the first round on Copperhead. But it wasn't because I played it really well I played really well on the back nine and I played you know I shot one over on the back nine but uh I've been killing the snake pit by the way if anybody wants to know what my cumulative score is on the snake pit I'll be happy to tell you uh but don't uh, ask for mine <laughs> but uh do not ask for mine but well, the snake pit is really one hole yeah, right. 16, right? 16. 17's not hard, and 18's, 18's not, not that hard. difficult. Yeah. Like, I don't even understand why they call it. Like, I guess you got to have a name for you something, it, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you kind of copy, because they're on the floor to swing, yeah. and you've got the bear trap down there yeah. at Honda. Right. I think through three rounds at Copperhead, I'm probably like 15 over total, <laughs> and six of them are on hole, what is that, 15 or 16? That, 16. Yeah. 16. That's a hard hole. Keep hitting in the dumb water. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult <laughs> hole. It's long. It's narrow. But yeah. the par three after that is 180 yards. Yeah, and the par four after that has some bunkers. It's but 440. It's up the tight. Hill. Yeah, it's I mean, tight. You gotta hit it. You gotta hit it in the fairway. But I, I think, I think the if you're looking for a train wreck, like it's not I, the yeah. bear trap. You can make yes. double, double, double. Yeah. Right. Uh, the snake pit. You're probably gonna make double. Bob can make a triple. And yeah. then you're going to, like, worst case scenario in those next couple holes, which I think I've done, I've gone bogey, bogey, bogey. <laughs> like, which isn't great, but it's also not right. the train wreck that you think of, like, to have right. a giant copper statue out no, there. No, and that's, right. I mean, again, 17, I mean, I'm 18, six foot seven, and that snake is taller than I am. <laughs> but, like, yeah. 17, 18, I've parred both those holes all three times we played, yeah. and I am literally, my best score on 15 is a double bogey. Yeah. So, but but what I was getting at with my I like my best round was actually the first round on Copperhead, but but my most consistent rounds were today, um, because like I would I, I basically was playing the tail of two nines for the first three rounds. Like I would have a horrible nine and a great nine and get a decent score out of it, you know. Um, but you know today I actually basically played four. R- nines that were almost identical like you know i mean i didn't i didn't i didn't do anything great on any of them but i didn't play like crap on really any of them either i didn't i avoided huge blow-up holes i avoided eights and sevens that i had on those other ones and um and so but i like like but i'm able to avoid those doubles because i've seen the golf course more to like what nate's talking about my score might not be might be one or two strokes technically worse 
but I actually feel like I played better and more consistently throughout the entire round, which I actually like better. You know, to go out and shoot 80, but to shoot 80 with, you know, no a, 40, yeah. a 47 and a 33 or whatever that would be. I don't know. But, like, uh, like I think that you're would... referring to my 47-36 that I shot yesterday. <laughs> yeah, 47-37, I think, was today, awesome. earlier. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the difference in my mind between the Copperhead and the Island yeah. course. I The Island course just kind of feels like, in my term... Almost gimmicky. It's gimmicky. Yeah. It's, it, you know, they need to make some distance... So, you know, they carve out a whole, it, it's not particularly imaginative or creative. It's not all that fun to play. To be there, there are holes that are, but generally I could go around there, hit my four iron and hit a nine iron. But uh, it's yeah. not easy though. No, it's not easy. Not no, easy. no, no, no. It's not easy, it's, but, but, but it's gimmicky, which makes it more difficult. It's, correct. It's, yeah. it, it's, it, it's just not, I, 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 that's to me is not all that fun. That's what makes playing, you know, we played the Copperhead course three times, right? Like almost consecutively, right? We we didn't do anything but play there yesterday. Uh we played it twice. And but it it that's okay to play because it feels like it, the design al- allows you to have some fun. Yeah. yeah it, it's one sure. of those holes where you can hit drive. For me, you can hit some drivers. You don't have to try to constantly feel like, "All right, let me let me grab that 4 iron, let me grab the 5 wood. I'm just going to just 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 smooth it out there." That's not all that fun. Check Instagram if you want to see how far Nate hits his driver. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Check Instagram. We got uh, we got Nate on uh, the launch. Is that on monitor. Instagram? We got him on the launch monitor today. That's on Instagram. I haven't po- I haven't posted oh, okay. it, but I will if you want me to. I won't I if you don't. I don't so. care. I don't have a preference. <laughs> um, so, you know, but uh, but it, anyway, well, it, it's like one of those things. I don't know if you guys have ever looked at your swing when you video it. It doesn't. I mean, I, I hit the like. I'll I'll let everybody know. I hit the ball three oh seven, which isn't the best drive I've ever hit in my life. But it was a solid one after playing like, you know, ninety holes of golf. Right, ninety <laughs> holes of consecutive golf. Like I'm surprised my back was still working, uh, especially after you know, kind of my health situation with COVID the the previous four weeks. So um, I was impressed that I was able to hit it three oh seven in the afternoon. Uh, but at the same time, your swing isn't quite as fluid as you thought as you would think it would look yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't look as smooth as i thought mine never would. looks as good as it like i i try not to watch my swing on video because then i just, just start like okay what do i need to fix i need to fix right that. no that's what you do man that gets awful narrow up yeah. at the top like, like that could be 330 if i would like, extend a little man, bit there like yeah no wonder I, and for me no I wonder always, i hit a double cross right like you yeah. you the, <laughs> the, the shot that you guys captured was funny just because we heard bob's launch monitor say 307 (laughs) um and Derek got the shot tracer and it's a pretty kind of straight maybe a slight falling to the right ball like it 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 looks great um but it's you're always kind of like that's not as athletic as i imagined (laughs) it would look right like i've got a long way to go before somebody confuses me with like a (laughs) like a legitimate golfer Yeah, Yeah. yeah Well, yeah, it's it is uh, it is pretty it is pretty funny um, to just you know think about where you know w- w- where we are you know now just being able to hang out together and and uh, and do this and and so um, I think um, to wrap up kind of a Innisbrook review I guess I don't know I would say uh, we all have enjoyed it. Uh, and I think there are some really great things about the place, and I would say under the right circumstances, you should definitely come here. Uh, if if that's, um, but if you're looking for a Pinehurst, Band and Dunes, Stream Song kind of experience, this is not that. And that's okay. Uh, right. And that's okay. That's okay. Not every not every golf trip needs to be that. Um, the, but like Bob well, said, the I mean, this, this for the amount of money we're spending to do this, and this the- is this is absolutely worth what we are spending to do it. And it's a great I, value, and, and for the time, right? This is a, time, this is a quick trip that we we you know had rescheduled from earlier you know in the year, and we wanted to get together, and we all had the availability, and this just happened to, to pop up. This is a good spot for that. Yeah, we don't absolutely. have to drive around. We're not spending a ton of time in a car or living out of a a bag every night going to another hotel right. or a spot. Like, I mean, this is a this is a good for the investment, whether that's money or time or you know, planning even probably like this is a good solid place to come because it's, it is fun. I will say from a planning side, it's easy. 
And I, I've planned a lot of golf trips. This is just, it's, it was one call to one resort six months ago, and it's done. So that makes it really easy just to get us all through. So looking forward to the next one, though. Yeah, that's great. All right, well, um, we obviously have a lot to uh, talk about probably in the next 25 minutes as we kind of wrap this up um, because we have our fourth and final major championship of the year coming up this weekend, the British Open from Royal St. George's. Uh, lots of uh, compelling things to think about. Obviously, John Rahm uh, is the favorite going in. Uh, seeing how he obviously won the U.S. Open, uh, did we did we find out who won the the Scottish today? Minwoo Lee. Minwoo Min Lee in a three man playoff. Oh, who was in the playoff with him? Uh, Do you remember? Dietry. Matt. No, that may have been Dietry, but I know Matt Fitzpatrick was in it. Okay, I Matt think it was a three man playoff. Uh, went to four holes. And Min Woo Lee ended up winning. Can you tell us, everyone on the podcast, why you love Min Woo Lee? Yeah, so over the, the past uh, month or so, uh, my family's been hit fairly hard by COVID. Uh, so I've spent a ton of time uh, on the couch. And now I feel like I am the world's foremost expert on YouTube golf content. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally, I feel like I need to start a podcast solely about uh, YouTube golf content, <laughs> reviewing it, telling people what to do, where to go. Cause it sums better than others, right? Yeah. Like it's like the, it's the ultimate like free network or platform where anybody can put anything up there. And it's really funny to watch anything because you know, YouTube has the algorithm. So I, I just watch it on the app on my TV most of the time. And as you start to watch more YouTube golf content, guess what gets suggested you, to you? You get more. YouTube golf content. And some of that stuff, like Rick Shields, who does a lot of really cool content. He does a great job. Yeah, I agree. And he does I a like lot of work lot. with Min Woo Lee. He actually, he did a series after, because I think they came out of lockdown in the UK. He did a 12-episode series that he called Breaking 75 and went around some of the best golf courses in the UK. And I think he played... St. Andrews and Carnoustie with sure. Min, yeah. Min Woo Lee, who was oh, okay. a really cool guy. Like His golf swing is amazingly fluid, um, but is also a really cool hang, which is really what I'm looking for in a guy to play golf with, right? Like You right. don't want a guy who's a douche or, right. or somebody who's just not great to right. be Shout around. Shout out to Preston Sanders for not being a douche. Thank <laughs> That's you, right. Preston. Exactly right. <laughs> so... Um, so he does some, some golf content with, with Rick Shields it, it, and he kind of talks about, cause Rick Shields also does a podcast, but he talks right. about kind of the mentality right. of how hard it can be. Cause he's from Australia and he talks about this one specific time where he missed five straight cuts and he was wondering if professional golf was for him. Like, I mean, literally if it, you know, that's your job and you're not getting paid. Right now he has some sponsors and he kind of talks about that a little bit, but you also like, I guess there's this mind game about how well are my sponsors going to be my sponsors. If I'm showing up and missing cuts and I'm paying to travel all over Europe and Africa, uh, you know, you're potentially putting yourself at, at risk and some health concerns now with travel and things like that. And so to hear him kind of become human almost, because I think a lot of us sit around and look at a tour pro and think, man, that must be the it's life. so glorified. Gosh, yeah. I wish oh, I could man. do that, man. Like, if I could quit <laughs> this job and do that, that would be amazing. <laughs> but they have a ton of struggles, too. So to see a good guy That's like right. that yeah. come from behind, like, you know, the story going into the weekend, you know, whether it's Thomas Dietrich, Matt Fitzpatrick, John Rahm was in contention, Xander Schauffele, Scotty Scheffler, uh, I think Ian Poulter even posted, like when we were in between rounds yeah. today, we saw Poulter post a Poulter number. Poulter ended up, I think, fourth or fifth. He, yeah. He was up there. He posted a number, like he a posted, 63 yeah. or 64 early. Like he was in the He's lead in the during during some of that delay that they went through. So, right. I mean, there were big names on that leaderboard. And, you know, cheers to him for coming out on, on top. Like, couldn't happen to a better guy. Yeah. Yeah, Nate's a big fan. Uh, I've never seen the guy, but I'm definitely going to go watch these videos that he's talking about. Um and listen to the podcast, I think uh, whenever you can become a fan of a guy who probably most people don't know who they are, um, it's always a good thing. But um, I, I, we, we bring up the Scottish because John Rahm obviously shared the lead after the third round, or after the second round, I'm sorry. Um, and then, you know, as the number one golfer in the world, he was one shot back at an end of the day. Don't really know how he finished. Uh, my, I'm assuming top ten. 
something like that. But but it 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 shows that he continues to be in good form. Uh, I think the Greens got a little bit of the best of him in this situation. I know Nate has some thoughts on John Rahm. Uh, Bob, before we get to kind of talk about Nate's thoughts on how John's going to potentially fare in the British. I mean, what are your thoughts on the world number one headed into the British Open? Would you know? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? How do you uh, think he'll fare this upcoming week? Man, he's going to play well. He's got so much confidence coming into the week, and you know, especially at that level, he is obviously an elite talent. Uh, confidence is so huge for those guys, and I, I doubt he's never ever been more confident than he is right now. Mm. Um, and I know Nate's going to talk about his game a little bit and how it fits. Uh, and I, I would struggle to bet against him just because yeah, he is he is so good and he can win anywhere right now. Um, so I, I think he's going to finish really well. I, I would I'd be shocked if he's not way up on the leaderboard, you know, on Saturday or Sunday, just because he's. He's playing so well right now. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Dustin Johnson, I, I guess, uh, 12 months ago about or so. I guess maybe not mm-hmm. 12 because we were COVID 12 months ago. But, you right. know, tail into last year when, when DJ was just on fire. Better yeah. than everyone for better, else. For, right. for no, for no uh, We have no other word to say other than you could not beat Dustin Johnson in the fall of right. 2020. And I don't, I don't, I don't think Grom's quite there, but he's he's got that mentality where, you know, I'm going to tee it up, I'm going to play well, I'm going to be in contention. Yeah, I mean, he looks like the number one player in the world. Like, when he tees yeah. it up, he looks like the number one player in the world. He looks confident. He looks like I expect to be in contention every single time I tee it up. And if I play if I play the way I know I can play, I am better than everyone else. I think yeah, he has that mentality. I, 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 but I disagree. I feel like the results show a different story. And, yes, he did win the U.S. Open, and, and that was a, a credit to him and for basically sure. basically memorial. Uh, it certainly did win Memorial by a million. <laughs> by uh, a million. There's no way. Well, and I picked him that week too, uh, so that was frustrating. Um, but I, I think today shows because Derek, you and I, I think we're sitting up at the restaurant grabbing lunch, right? And, and we saw some of what happened. T- today shows, I think, why he may struggle. And and it's interesting. He finished seventh at 16 under, which is where we saw him on nine or 10, like he, so I don't know if he maybe made some ground and then fell back or if he just couldn't get anything together. It's three under on the day, which isn't a bad day, but isn't, but right. Not going to, the number one low, like Polter, the number one player in the world is going to go out there and, and potentially win that golf tournament, find us, find a way to get into that playoff. So I I feel like, cause I know you and I were sitting there watching it. um, He missed a a short putt and then kind of loses his, his, his mind. He kind of he's talking to himself. He's got <clears throat> a little bit of an attitude. You know, it's it's one of those things, and I think that's what really kind of makes me question his ability to win uh, the British Open, what I call the British Open or the Open Championship. Is to me, and we talked about this at lunch. I think with the British more so than anything else, it's a test of your mentality. It's a, it's a test of your ability to kind of fight through some adversity, not necessarily, um, not necessarily your physical ability or your ability to hit a golf shot, but your ability to maybe hit exactly what you wanted to, whether that's a putt, a chip, a drive, but have some kind of soft bounce or crazy bounce or you know firmer bounce than what you expect, and you'd have to deal with that level of adversity. I don't think John Rahm is there yet in terms of his mentality as being a tour pro, a top-level tour pro that's expected to win every week. Not that he hasn't been a guy who is in the top 10, top 5 of every tournament he plays in, but to be the... And I think that's what Dustin Johnson struggled with, that that level of expectation. And I think for John Rahm, that is going to crank up the pressure, that is going to crank up that level of anxiety, and maybe that's going to cause that attitude or that hothead to pop off a little bit more uh, than what we would expect. And I do think that those types of situations pop up at the British more so than any other tournament that you'll play in during the year. Just because there's more variability. It's Correct. Not, it's not Whether a perfectly that's... manicured every <clears throat> where the balance is uniform. Exactly mm, right. You're, sounds kind of like Copperhead. You're reliant on a, on a bounce, right? And whether that's because it just rained and it's a little bit softer than what you expect or, 
you know, the greens are going to be a little bit slower than what they're used to playing on at the States, which typically means, you know, there's going to be a little bit less movement. And sometimes some guys can struggle with that relative difference. You know, I, I, to me, I equate that a lot. And I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. I equate that a lot to Justin Thomas's mentality too. I feel like Justin Thomas stops Justin Thomas from winning more than anything else. Because sometimes you have to go out there with your yeah, it's B. Not talent for him. No, for sure. Right. You know what? You can go out there with your B or C game and beat guys, or keep yourself in a tournament. Right. And that one or two strokes is the difference. And it's funny that I think Justin Thomas finished one shot below him on the leaderboard. Oh wow! But he those did. two he are did. kind of in that same mentality of like, over the course of four rounds for a professional, you gain a shot, two shots per round, you win. Those guys win. And how how much is that pressure? Is that kind of that that hothead, that attitude problem? How many shots does that cost those guys? Yeah. And and if the answer is none, then I agree, John Rahm's going to win. I just don't think the answer is none. I think the answer is probably five plus at the end of the week. And I don't care how good you are at the British Open. You know, at a U.S. Open, uh, like what we saw him do, or what we saw Bryson DeChambeau do, or what we saw even DJ do at Oakmont back in the day, like. You can overcome some of that if you're just striping it, but that's not going to be how the winner plays at Royal St. George's this week, I, I don't believe. I think you're going to have to be the golf equivalent of a mutter. You're going to have to get up and down. You're going to have to hit some weird shots. You're going to have to hack it out of some hay. Like, Man, I love that style of golf. Yeah, no, that's Bob Pan's game. Because if it was supposed to be pretty, I'd win every single time. <laughs> Because I hit the ball high and soft and spin it, and Bob's keeping it on the ground, and we make the same score. So uh, that's my problem with John Rahm, is I don't necessarily think he's at a place, uh, I don't want to call it like a maturity, maybe like a professional maturity, like a golf maturity, in terms of being the top guy, the expectation on his shoulders, because I think that weighs on you. It's not just the fact that he's John Rahm and he's a really good player. I think it's the expectation of he's the number one player in the world now. He's the betting favorite, odds-on favorite to win. And so when something doesn't go his way, he, he has these episodes, and I think that affects his play. And you can't win majors doing that. I'm curious. At the U.S. Open, you remember, was he the favorite at the Open? Or was <laughs> yes. he, he was the favorite at the Open? Because uh, he overcame at it then, the U- right? at the U.S. Open. At the U.S. Yeah. Open. Yes, US absolutely. Open. He was the favorite going in. Um, but here's what I would say too about the U.S. Open. It's a golf course that he's played a lot. It's a golf course he That's won. True. It's a golf it's course there. He had his first victory. He loves San Diego. He he grew up on Poana Green. It's a style there's of golf. So, there's so that many. It's a style of golf that he's very Tory good Pines. at. Yeah. There's so many things about Tory Pines that lined up well for him, and I think it was easier for him if things went bad a hole or two, to, to know and have the mental like strength to say, oh, but I know this is coming up. I know this is coming up. I know this is coming up. All I got to do is hit some good shots. I'm going to be fine. Like, I don't know that he knows that going in here other than just him knowing how good of a golfer he is, but not necessarily knowing the golf course, I think, leaves some unknown in that. I don't, I don't know. I, it, it's just you know, kind of my, my thought of in, in that regard. I will say... This is not a place where you seem to see people go very low. Like the winning score of the Open Championship from War Royal St. George's, uh, 1949 was five under par, uh, which maybe with the 1949, high, 1949, the course played a whopping 4,500 yards. You know what the winner's share was? You know what the winner's share was in 1949? Uh, a belt and a silver pitcher. No, three hundred dollars. Right. You know what it was in 2011 Darren Clark won? 1.1. $900,000. $900, really? really? What's, what's the share Less now? than a million dollars. That's shocking. You know what it's going to be this weekend? The winner share? Over two? No. 1.935 million. Yeah. Wow. Almost $2 million. It's, it's grown by a million dollars in 10 years. Talk about inflation. <laughs> well, that's that's actually that surprising that in 2011, the winner's share of the British Open wasn't a million dollars. I know. I thought that was crazy. That is crazy. But just to, just to uh, this point, 13 under is the highest score to win at Royal St. George's. Greg Norman, 1993. Uh, and the next highest is five under. So this isn't a place where people tend to go really low, right? I mean, five under par... 
um, is is pretty low um, in this situation. There's going to be some difficulty. There's going to be some things that these guys have to face that, you know, like what you're talking about with John Rahm, I think there's going to, you're going to have to just kind of grind it out. I mean, Darren Clark, Darren Clark shot 68, 68, 69, 70. So he shot two under, two under, one under even uh, to, uh, to finish it up. So, I mean, that, you know, in my mind is, you know, you know, enough uh, to, to say, man, there's a, there's a good chance that whoever wins this just kind of, you know, plays plays four solid rounds of golf. Doesn't doesn't go too high. Doesn't have to. Go too well, and low, I think like most right? British Opens, it's going to be dependent on the weather. Yeah, I, I you know, if it's sure. if, if the weather's solid, you know, if it's passable, then I think we could see thirteen, fifteen under. Uh, if it's if it gets wet and difficult, and you're out there slogging around, you could see five under. By the way, the official World Golf Rankings coming out tomorrow. Uh, Dustin Johnson is the number one, not John Rahm. Oh. oh he, whatever the, the formula. So right. Well, that's because he didn't. I don't think he played this week. Did he even play? He didn't play. But uh, how do you jump a guy who plays and finishes in the top ten? If that guy doesn't earn and enough. And that guy doesn't even play. Well, but I guess my argument to that would be John Rahm played and finished seventh. It's not like he finished. That's why the you know, World Golf Rankings are so. You, you, you can't, you can't finish, you can't finish higher than a guy that finishes seventh if you don't play. But he might have dropped a score that he finished third. Right. Well, right. I think it's a lot. It, it functions a lot like your handicap. It's, oh, a, it's okay. a period. It's a window over a period. I guess of time. that makes sense. Yeah. But scores count, so you get more points, less. He doesn't get credit for the win at at Memorial anyway. No. So it doesn't no, matter. He doesn't. Yeah. If he got credit for that win, he'd definitely be number one in the world still. So, my mind, he's still world number one. That algorithm sucks. This is why math. This is why math is stupid, and kids should just drop out of high school. I'm kidding. No, don't drop out of high school. That was a du- that was dumb advice from a very dumb person. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, so so neither. I mean, I don't know. You you think it's hard to bet against John Rom? Nate says John Rom. There's no way in the world he wins. Doesn't have the temperament. I don't. No, no, no. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I don't think there's any way. Like he, that that's the problem. Is like you don't know when that light bulb's going to go off or that switch is going to flip, and he gets it, and everything works out perfectly. It could be this week, or it could be in ten years. I, I just don't know. I, I could see a situation in which he wins because I agree with everything you guys said. I mean, he's the most. He's one of the most talented guys out there right now. He's probably one of the guys who's playing the best. Right, best form. He he hits it exactly where he's looking. He hits great putt. Like. I could absolutely see a situation that he wins. No doubt. I just don't think he will. That's my point. So who you got then? Uh, so my pick is actually Xander Schauffele. Okay. Um, you guys know that I like a guy who's trending in the right direction. Um, I think Schauffele is the type of guy, like, he, I, I think he's a mutter. I think he finds a way to get the ball in the hole. Uh, I think he's playing well. I think he finished in the top 10, top 15. Like, he shot four consistent scores in the Scottish Open. So he had a little bit of, of work in the links type style, you know, a more uh, English-type uh, golf course. And I think it's his time. I mean, he just got married. Uh, he announced he's going to play in the Olympics. Uh, he played really well on the weekend. Um, at Torrey Pines, even though it wasn't quite the homecoming story that I think everybody was looking for. But he still played really well, even though he was kind of the local favorite, which I think says a lot about a guy, that he's able to show up and play with that pressure. So I think now's the time for Xander Schauffele. And frankly, I don't know, and he's just as good as anybody else. And and to me, Xander Schauffele has had the talent to win a major for a while. And the British is one of those places, in my mind, that a guy who... May, like you don't have to be as sharp to win the British Open either. That's kind of the like it kind of marginalizes talent to some extent, and kind of brings everybody back to even. So if a guy's putter gets hot, right, uh, right. if he if he hits a couple shots really well, like uh, Molinari, right? Like I mean, I think that's a really good example. Um, you know, so I, Xander Schauffele seems to check most of those boxes for me. Well, and even here, remember, Ben Curtis won here, yeah. right? Uh, and I believe that was his only tour victory. I could be wrong about that, but I think that was his only well, tour Well, and victory. I think if you remember, I don't think it was at Royal St. George's, but there was a period of time where we all thought Ricky was going to win a British. 
Yeah. And I think Xander plays a lot kind of like Ricky Fowler back in the day, a little bit of a gunslinger, hit it far, wedge it, chip it, putt it. Um, Did so, Ricky make the field? Is he in the field? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, I, I think um, unless he got you know a sponsor's exemption or something like that, um, I know that they love him over there. Um, and and as they should. He's a lot of fun to watch play golf. I mean, he's done well when he's played in Europe. He, he won the, uh, the Irish Open. Is that right? He won Irish Open or yeah. Scottish Open? I know Irish. He won, he won one of those a few years ago, and, and so they, they tend to really uh, like Ricky across the pond. He's played well at the British in the past. But um, I, I, like, I like the Shoffley pick. I think Shoffley could definitely be a guy to, um, to come out and, and play really well, finish high. I gotta be honest though, guys. I mean, like, there's a guy who's been playing great in every single major this year. He's just come up short three times, and the only major he's ever won was the British Open. And he has the mentality. He has the game. He's ball striking. He's got. I mean, he's got everything you need. I. I mean, Louis Oosthuizen. I mean, I. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Like, I think that that is a a favorite pick or a great pick or anything else like that. Like anybody that somebody thinks is a real front runner, but like, I mean, the guy is showing that. Like when it comes, mate. I mean, he's almost like second place Brooks. I mean, that's kind of like what you think about him. Like, like I mean, like, Brooks Kepka shows up at every major. So does Louis Oosthuizen. Louis Oosthuizen is showing up at every major championship, and is absolutely. Showing that, hey, I got a chance to win. And and unfortunately, you know, like at the U.S. Open on 17th, like at the the PGA Championship on, you know, the back nine on, I think it was 13 or, or something like that. Uh, but, but uh, I mean, if he just doesn't have that blow-up hole on the back nine of two majors, he probably wins two majors. Yeah, if he doesn't blow up on one hole on the back nine, I mean, it's in my mind. I I don't know. I I, I like Louis in this situation. I think Louis has the, and it and I just think I would be a really cool story. I mean, it would be a really cool story to, um, see Louis Ustays and after being so close, um, the last couple majors to come out and and play well and win win. Here and I'm so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Louis Ustase. I think Louis Ustase is the guy. I know Nate hates that pick, but I love that pick. I think, I think Louis. I think Louis is a great pick. Um, I, I, I just I there's no way Louis winning. I don't that you know I think the no laying up guys give him yeah. a little too much um, criticism. You know I I do love the tweets from DJ and Tron <laughs> when they're talking about like even at the U.S. Open I, I was laughing. It was like, how is Louie going to screw this one up? Yeah. You know, like he has a two-shot lead. Uh, how is he going to screw this one up? And he found a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Louie's a great guy to cheer for. I hope he does really well. I, I, the one thing I remember about his win at St. Andrews was how nice it was. He won so easily. Easily. Yeah. Like, the guy didn't by, look like he swung like hard at all. Shots. Right. Yeah. And he shot like 15 under or something. Yeah. Like, it was a like contrast that I think the next time it was played at St Andrews it was I think that was Zach Johnson's win, and I think he won at like five under or something. Right. Like the weather was a little bit different, it was a little bit harder. Like I don't feel like Louis does hard well. Mm. Like if it's nice, if it's sunny, and even then sometimes he may find a way to hit a drive into a hazard <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, but if it's difficult, I don't see Louis. You would say Kia was difficult. I, that's the problem. You didn't win. I don't think he, he didn't get the job <laughs> but done. But he played well. I, he got close. I mean, there's a lot of guys that do that. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad pick. I just Not three majors in a row. There's, there's not, not a lot of guys that do that. that. I, Ricky finished in the top two in all four majors in one year or something like that. Top five. But yeah. I mean, I do think it happens. And I think he was a high favorite going into every major because of that. Yeah, I think you got to... You, you got to think, think that he's got a chance. He definitely has a chance. I just you yeah. said he had no chance. You literally I don't said think, no. He has no chance. I, to, <laughs> I don't. I don't think he's going to win. I, if I had to handicap, he said, he said he's not going to win. There's no not, chance. There's I don't. No think, way in the world he wins. I agree. The he's not winning the British. So you just said he has a chance, but then you say he has no chance. 
to be on the leaderboard, but to win <laughs> is something different. Like okay. I feel like that is the essence of Louis's game. All right. He, I think he you, can, got, you got to be on the leaderboard before to you win. win a tournament. I, I agree. So let's, let's get there so first. I, I think at this tournament, especially here, though, I don't think the winner is going to come out of the top 20 or even the top 50 in the world. I think it's coming. I think it's not necessarily coming out anywhere. But uh, I, I think at uh, I think it's coming outside of that. Now, I'm not picking someone way out. I mean, you're just shooting darts at that point. You have no clue. You know, there's what, you know, 100 and so odd people in the field. Uh, but I also don't think it's going to be American. I, I don't think I don't think an American wins. Uh, but uh, I got Victor Hovland. That, that's who I think is winning that one. That's a great pick. Uh, that that that's who I got. I think he fits a little bit of everything. Well, he played really well in Germany a couple weeks ago. He's tre- trending in the right direction. I think he didn't he I, win I that tournament. Like he literally flew from San Diego to win. Germany and he won, I believe. Yeah. Well, he played on the European tour, so. Yeah, but I'm just saying I mean, that's no like, offense to the European tour, but it's yeah, but still, just probably dealing, most of the guys on the Corn Ferry tour could win an event. I, I disagree. Tour. After playing in San Diego, flying over, like playing in the U.S. Open, flying all that way, dealing with your body, yeah. I disagree. He's one of the top 15 players. He's in the close world. to home. He is, right? but it's hard. I'm. I think it's hard to do that. I agree. I think that's a great pick. I like that's, that pick. So, so that's who I got. And if it's not him, I think it's going to be someone. Way back that we're not even talking about right now. Uh, Justin Thomas, guys, come on, uh, come on. Maybe, I don't. Maybe. I mean, he's a, a, he is elite in every way. He's always been that way, though. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He's elite in every way. I mean, he is. He is at like. I, I don't know how you don't think that he is a good fit to win the British Open. I mean, that dude is. I think I do think he's I think he's nasty. I'll tell you, I think Justin Thomas misses the cut. I think he's more likely to miss the cut than he is to be in the top ten. I think he misses the cut. I don't think. And for the record, I feel like I hit a better three wood off the deck. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm willing to say that. You can say he's elite all you want, but I'm going to stand up and smoke a three wood off the deck a little bit better. And if and if I don't, I guarantee you, I have a better. Club release toss than what that was. <laughs> he looked surpri- He looked genuinely surprised. Oh, he was surprised. I, I don't think he. I don't, I don't think he's, he's hit ever, very many shots like that in his life. I don't, I don't think he's topped too many three woods in his life, or at least not in the last twenty years. Um, but speaking yeah. of three woods, I like you contrast that with that three wood like from two ninety that he hit at Aaron Hills to set oh, the scoring record yeah, that, that Johnny Miller went crazy wow. about because it was like versus a seventy or whatever that they were playing par at Aaron so Hills. That thing was nasty. Yeah. Like the way that he absolutely smoked that thing and then went up and made that putt to shoot yeah. sixty two or yeah. whatever that was. Yeah. That you want to talk about a great shot. Like he can top as many as you want as long as that's on your highlight <laughs> reel. Like you're you're fine. Like we yeah. can all laugh that off if that's yeah. what you can do with your three wood. Right. Right. Well, um, all right. So we have we have a pick for Xander, um, which is a good pick. Victor Hovland, and I'm gonna go Louis Ustazen. Uh, British Open um, should be a lot of fun. We'll do a recap show once it's all said and done. Cool thing is, guys, it's across the pond, so it'll be over at 10 a.m. So that's 7 a.m. in 7 a.m. California. California well, and the great part is, like, I I like it because, I, and I think with most COVID rules, most folks are working from home anyway. Right. Like, I I remember. I've done it for five, six, you know, ESPN yeah. used to have coverage. Now it's right. NBC Golf Channel. Yeah. I mean, it's going to come on at three or four in the morning on yeah. Eastern time. I'm going to get up and make I'm some coffee and watch and it. I'm watch that. I yeah. love it. I apologize yeah. to my neighbors and my family in advance. Yeah. The TV's Thursday. going to be running at 3 a.m. That's right. The <laughs> Thursday and Friday. Not of, 3 a.m. It'll be running at midnight for you. Midnight. Yeah. <laughs> the Thursday and Friday of the British Open are great viewing mornings. Because typically, yes. I don't even turn on the TVs in the morning. Right. Like, there's just no reason yeah. to. Yeah. Um, that's going to change. This I watch week. the sun come up with the British Open yeah. whenever it's on. It's great. I love, I love watching it. And. And but because it's done early, it's gonna be it's gonna be great because we're gonna we're gonna have plenty of time uh, to to sit and watch it and 
and uh, and be able to do that recap. So make sure uh, whenever uh, that recap comes out, you guys grab it, listen to it, and let us know what you think. Um, hopefully, one of us will be talking about how we beat the other um, and took the other's money uh, at Innisbrook. We got one round to play. We'll see where we finish up, and uh, and hopefully we'll also be talking about maybe one of us winning. Uh, you know, having having one of our picks in the winner's circle uh, and and holding the claret jug. So, uh, hopefully, uh, you guys enjoy this podcast. I know uh, we enjoy doing this. We especially enjoy bringing this to you for the first time. All of us three in the same room together. Um, this is a ton of fun. I wish we could do this all the time, but uh, obviously, uh, jobs, families, geography doesn't allow that. So, uh, but but to be able to do it when we can is great. So, thank you guys for listening. And tuning in, make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, do um, all of that on whatever platform you are listening to this. And, uh, and we'll be back with you next week following the British Open. Thanks for listening.